when we're in a uh, crisis moment, we never really get uh, any kind of heads up, which I guess is why it's a crisis. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. You're just driving in your car, the window's down, you're enjoying loud music, and then check engine light just kind of pops on. And you're not really ready for it, you're not prepared for it, you start listening for what's going on, you have all sorts of thoughts, and then you think, what do I do? Do I pull over? Do I do this? Do I do that? I don't really have a lot of time maybe to make the decision, but I got to deal with this. You go to the convenience store on the way to work, grab you a soft drink and a snack to get you, uh, you know, there's a long time between breakfast and the actual, you know, office there. It's like 20 whole minutes, so you got to stop and get something else to eat and drink along the way. Walk up to the counter, slide your debit card, insufficient funds. And then there's this feeling, this thought that, is this real? Is this true? Is this your machine? Surely I have $2.19 in my account, surely. But I know what it says. You just have to deal with it or you get to work and your boss says, hey, do you have a minute? Uh, This is going to be your last paycheck. I'm, I'm sorry. What? Like, I'm, I just got here. I'm starting my day. I don't know what's going on, but this cannot be happening. Or you get a voicemail from a doctor saying, hey, let's, let's talk. I just got your results. Give me a call. I mean, we're just not prepared for those moments. And in those moments, we don't have time and don't have the ability to stop time and to say, world, hold on. I need to go to class. Like, I, I got to figure this out. I need to take some classes. I need to read some books. I need to call some people. I, I can't deal with this yet. I'm not really prepared for this. And we all face those moments in some level to some degree. And all we know to do is to go back to what we know. What have I seen in the past work? Because I got to figure something out now. What have I seen in the past that does not work? Because I don't want to make that same kind of mistake. How in the world did I get to this spot? How did I get to this place? How did I get to this crisis? Because I don't ever want to take the same kind of road again. We're looking back to try to find victory now. And it's not the worst strategy, and it's not the newest strategy. For thousands of years, people have been doing the same thing. They're face-to-face with a moment, with a fight, with a crisis, and they just don't have time. Like You can't say, well, I'll be prepared once I get my degree, or I'll be prepared once I finish class, or I'll be prepared once I get my raise. I'll... You don't have time for that. You, all you have is what you have, what you got in your hands right then and there. And I want us to look back at one of those moments that happened years and years and years ago. Much of the Bible, because the culture is so different, is a challenge for us, but we get the main concepts usually, and there were times when God's people were led by a prophet or a priestly figure, and even though we don't have prophets like they did and priestly figures like that, we conceptually, we get it. Okay, I understand what that represents. Or we see them being led by a king, and although we don't have a king and most of us have never met a real king, we we get it. We don't have to you know, what does a king mean or define it? We, we get it. We get the concept. But there is a group of people in the Old Testament of the Bible called judges, and that is a little different. Now, I know we all get the concept of a judge, and maybe some of you have had it up close and personal. We're not going to share it today, but you know the concept of a judge, but we're not talking about those kinds of judges, because there was a time before God's people were led by a king that They had already been led by Moses, a a figure that all of us have heard of, whether or not we know all the stories, and then his successor, Joshua. And then you had over a million people who are now about to inhabit this new land that we ultimately would come to know as the land of Israel. 
and they're about to populate that area, but there are people in the way. There are places already occupied by people. God had given them the promise, this is your place, but they had to deal with who was already there. And at times they got into trouble. They didn't listen to God. They didn't follow his plan. God would allow them to be overcome by another group, another uh, community, another tribe. And God would raise up a leader, and these leaders were called judges. And in Judges chapter 3, we get some names. We have Othniel, one of the first judges, and he was more of a typical military kind of leader. God raised him up, and the people followed. He said, guys, we're going to go to battle. We're going to go to war. We'll win this thing, and they followed him in. And he's the kind of guy you would expect to follow, uh, a nation to follow. Then we have a guy named Ehud that most of us haven't heard much about, but his claim to fame as a judge, if you will, will be a time when God's people were being overtaken by another group, and he was a little slicker than just, hey, follow me into battle. He literally created, made a dagger, a small sword, if you will. He had his own dagger, and he attached it to his right leg, and he went in to see the king of this enemy army. And he got close enough where the king didn't realize what was going on. He slipped out that dagger, and he punched it into the gut of the king. And as a kid, I'll never forget reading it for the first time. Uh, the king wasn't into uh, cardio. And so he had a lot. He had some room there. And he literally doubled over, and his stomach enclosed engulfed the knife. So when Ehud left, no one could see the knife that was buried inside the gut of this enemy king. And they left him for hours thinking he was uh, asleep or going to the bathroom. They weren't quite sure what was happening, and he died there. So we've got this odd season of life for God's people where they're led by these judges. And the one we're going to look at today, it comes right after Ehud in Scripture and in the order. And his name is Shamgar. And now we don't know much about Shamgar. We really just have one verse of him in Scripture. We do know he has the greatest name in the history of names. Shamgar, is that's the coolest. And if, if you have a son that's on the way, I would strongly suggest that. What a name, as Shamgar. But Shamgar was a judge, and we have one verse about him in Judges chapter 3. And it says, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. And then we just move on and transition to the next one. So it's Shamgar. He kills 600 Philistines, and the Philistines are one of four or five enemy groupings that the people regularly had to deal with. And the Philistines were giving them trouble, and God raised up this judge, Shamgar, and he killed 600 of them. Now, that in and of itself is cool and pretty amazing and strong, but the fact that he did it with an ox goad is what I want us to look at. Now, I know an ox goad's not going to change your life, and it's not that big a deal. And I can't pull one up and say, here's a 4,000-year ox, old ox goad we found or anything. But we do know that it was close to eight feet tall. And uh, so I took this eight-foot uh, extension pole. Uh, and, and this is roughly the size, maybe a little longer. Some said they were up to 10 feet. Like, this is what he had. And I know most of you are not uh, battling anyone currently. You're not in a fight. But uh, should someone uh, threaten your family at some point, Honey, where's my ox goat? Is not going to be the thing that you grab. Like, this is a little bit cumbersome. Like, why would you choose this? Why, why not just be like a regular leader, a regular judge, and, you know, use your sword or use your spear? And that's what I want us to get. Um, he wasn't a soldier, so he didn't have a sword. He didn't know how to use a spear. All he had was what was in his hands. And God reached out to Shamgar and said, Shamgar, you're going to be the leader, the judge for my people during this season. 
And Shamgar didn't have time to go, well, I guess I need to go to soldier school. I need to go to judge school. I need to figure this thing out. I don't know how to lead these people. I'm not prepared for this. I need to know how to use a sword. I need to know how to lead people in the battle. He didn't have time for that. The crisis was on him. The fight or series of fights was on him. And all he had was what was in his hand. So he just looked down and said, well, I'm a farmer. Farmers use ox goads. We have oxen that plow and to keep them in line to make sure they do what we need them to do. We have this ox goad, it's eight to 10 feet long and we prod and we push and we go the ox, we oxen. We make sure that they do what we want them to do. I know how to use this. So here we go. <laughs> that, that was him going to battle. Going to save God's people with his ox goad in his hand. Now, he obviously did that. And I do think it's important to note that this wasn't a situation where 600 people are lined up with their swords and spears and shields, and then one man with the farming tools out there going, let's go, let's do this. You know, I don't think that's what we saw. It's, it was probably more like a series of fights, an ambush here, an ambush there. And over time, at least 600 men fell to Shamgar and his ox goat, which I think is important for a few reasons. One, most of our lives are not indicative of just one big fight. Like you, you were born, and then when you were 27 years old, God said, get ready. Here it is. This is the moment you were alive for. This is the test. You pass this, and you've won the whole thing. That's probably not what happened. All of our lives are a series of fights, relational fights, financial fights, emotional fights, all sorts of fights. We deal with crisis in our lives. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle that? How am I going to deal with him? How am I going to deal with her? How are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to overcome this? A series of fights along the way. And every time we have a crisis, it'd be nice to stop and say, okay, world, stop spinning. I need to read some books on this. Okay, world, stop spinning. I need to call my granddad and figure this thing out. Stop spinning. I need to talk to mom. We don't have time. When the crisis hits, often all we have is what's in our hands, what we already know. And for all of us, that's our past. We all have a past. Some parts of it are enjoyable. A lot of parts of our past are not. But that's what we've got. And oftentimes, we look at our past as something that is going to hold us back and keep us from being everything that we want to be, everything we prayed that we would become, everything we feel like God wants us to be. But I believe at times, our past is the great weapon in our hands. And we're so afraid of leaning into it that we miss out that at times, God says, now is the time to move. Now is the time to fight. Okay, what do you want me to bring? Just bring what you got, what you got in your hands. You've had experiences You've been through some stuff. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Now watch me use what's in your hand. So let's look at four ways how we can use what's in our hands. Because I'm not encouraging you today to be thankful for all of your past. I'm not saying to be thankful for all the pain. But even when I'm not thankful for it, I can experience it as a powerful weapon in my life in these four ways. One, I can use it as a weapon to defeat my feelings of failure and self-doubt. I can use what's in my hands, my past. I can use my past experiences as a weapon to defeat those moments when I have those feelings and those fights with my uh, insecurities, my failures, my self-doubt, my I don't think I can do this. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not skilled enough for this. I don't have enough resources for this. I'm not the right person for this. When we have those kinds of moments, we get to lean back on our past. Now, our past has a way of punishing us punishing us, and our past has a way of showing up at the worst of times and following us around, and it's difficult to thrive and be everything that you know God created you to be when you've got this lingering thing in your life. 
And sometimes, instead of stopping and, and rejecting our past, we need to stop and remember. And just say, okay, who am I? What have I really gone through? Say, well, I don't want to reminisce. That's my whole problem is my past. If it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't be where I am right now. But maybe just to stop and give yourself a break and celebrate how far you've come. Just to look and say, you know, I don't want to remember that day, but man, that day was bad. And I thought it was over. And yet, here I am. I'm still here. I'm still standing. I might not be thriving and I might not be dancing today, but I am still here. And I haven't given up. And at some point, I just want to stop and celebrate how far God has taken me. Some of you who feel so bad and so down about where you are and what's going on and how life has not turned out the way you thought it would turn out, I just want you to stop for a moment and realize how far you've come. And there were times when you and maybe everyone around you just looked at you and said, man, this is it. She's never going to be able to overcome this. He's never going to amount to anything. And yet here you are. And none of this is where we want to be, but just to stop and celebrate. That's why it's one of our five core values, to celebrate every step. It does no good to stop and say, but I'm not here, but I'm not here, but I'm not here. But look how far you've come. And at times, it's not about remembering the hard stuff. It's about remembering the good stuff. If I was to announce before you got here today, today we're going to be thinking about our past. It'd just be my wife and me here today. It'd be about it. No one's coming. No one wants to talk about the past. Why? Because we think about our past being all the bad stuff. Our past is accumulation of all the bad decisions we've ever made. That's our past. Some of our past moments are pretty good, and we forget those. We pile those underneath, and we have stuff that we just let mount on top. But there were moments in some of your lives where things were good, and you had those moments when you look back and you were sensitive to what God was doing in your life, and you were excited about your future, and you grabbed your Bible for the very first time. You get up in your morning, you're highlighting stuff, and go, oh, wow, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. And you start to get excited about it. You're trying to apply it. You just have hope. But over time, as life has a way of weathering all of us, you just lose that. And I want to remind you that that little innocent desire to know God is still somewhere wrapped beneath all your struggles, all your failures, all your disappointments, all your uh, disturbances that you've had in life, when the enemies come in and just kind of disrupted stuff, all of that has piled up over some really, really good things. And there are times when I have to go back to those moments myself. I mean, I'm just like you, I struggle with stuff and feelings and doubt and all that. And sometimes I have to go back to those moments. And I have particular times in my life, and I, especially the middle school years, because those for me were the weird years where I, I felt like I heard God speak to me in a way I'd never have before or since. Like, that was just a special time. I remember sitting under there at camp, you know, sitting under a tree going, Lord, I am 14 years old. I don't know what's going on, but my heart is beating out of my chest. What are you doing around me? And I go back to those moments every now and then to go, man, that, that innocent love and desire to follow God, no matter what it was, like, that's still there. Now, it's buried beneath a lot of frustration and anger and betrayal and sadness and blah and blah, all the stuff that all of us go through, but it's still there. And at times, you just need to go back and remember that time when you were most sensitive to what God was doing around you and realize that's still there. God's not finished with you yet. And maybe right now, as you are living your life, you might not be ready for the mountain in front of you. But should that seed of faith take over again, there's nothing that can stop you. So allowing our past sometimes to fuel us is something that's actually a very, very good thing and a powerful weapon in our hands. Number two, 
I can use it as a weapon to protect me from future traps and temptations. Um, Our past, especially the hard stuff, sometimes serves as traffic lights, like yellow lights blinking, like don't go here, be careful, you've been here before. Do you remember the last time you invested in this? Do you remember the last time you were in a relationship like this? Do you remember the last time you went down this road? You do know what happened? Do you remember what happened? And at times our past can serve as a warning to protect us from going down that road again. Now, if you're struggling and just need to be encouraged with God's love and comfort, let me give you one of the warmest verses I know how to give you if you're working through that today. Proverbs 26, 11. Let's let it soak in. As a dog returns to vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Isn't that encouraging? As dogs return to vomit. If you've ever had a puppy and watched it go outside and return, you're like, what? Why would what are you doing? Like, you don't, do, like, they're just eating up like, hey, I don't know when we're eating next, but like, this is good. Like, dogs do that. It's, it's awful. It's nasty. And we look at our lives. Well, how many times if you could hover over yourself right now, would you go, what are you doing? We've been there before. Don't you remember? That was a, that was a terrible, terrible season of your life. That was a huge mistake. We almost never got out of that. Do not go back. And at times, our past is what protects us. We have those feelings, and we get kind of the goosebumps, and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what's going on? And you remember, like it's a trigger going, I did that before. I went there before. I tried that before. Listen, you may be stronger now than you were then, but don't push yourself and test yourself to the point of taking a chance of going back to that. He said, fools do that. If you're going to live with the wisdom of God, you're able to look and say, I went down that road before, and I will not go back again. I'm doing something different. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, it's easy to condense this just to say, do what God says and don't just listen to it. That's true. Be doer of the word, not just to hear. But there's even more here. He says, when you look into God's mercy, when you look into his word and God reveals what's really going on, don't forget what you've learned about God in those moments. Don't forget what you've learned about his faithfulness and about your strength or lack thereof. And if you forget that, it's like someone looking in a mirror not even remembering what he looks like. He said, take a look. Make sure you grasp it because this will protect you. There are so many proverbs, so many thoughts, and so many words of wisdom that will say the same thing. Be careful. Don't go back to where you were before. Allow it to protect you from a future trap and a future temptation. Number three, I can use it as a weapon to encourage and to inspire others. Obviously, this is less about your fight and more about someone else's fight. And that's one of the blessings of being in a spiritual family like a church is we get a chance to work together, to fight together. And there are times when there's a little peace in my life. My check engine light is not on, and I don't necessarily have insufficient funds, at least for $2 and whatever. I'm okay. I'm not in a battle, but you might be in one. And it's my moment to come alongside and take what I have, my ox go, to say, okay, I'll fight with you on this one. No, don't do it. Listen, I'll fight with you because I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know what that struggle is. 
I went through some of those same things. I'm willing to fight with you here. That's why I'm here. And maybe my story, maybe the opportunity I have right now will encourage you and give you the inspiration, the faith you need, the hope you need to be able to carry on because it's not over. I've been there before. But most of the time, we don't share our stuff. We just hold it in. We're thankful that we made it out alive. Instead of looking for moments to stop and say, okay, I know that. I know that weapon. I've got that, and I'll fight with you. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He said, God's comforted you in a certain way. He's watched over you. He's gotten, through, gotten you through some difficult times, and now you get a chance to comfort them the same way that God did you. In other words, how God worked in you, you get a chance to be the hands and feet, the voice, the lips of God in this moment over here with them. But if you keep all of your stuff to yourself, if you never allow yourself to share it when it's appropriate, some people are going to miss out on a powerful, powerful ally they have in your actual story. Hebrews chapter 11, there is a, a list of names, a list of people's names, people who were not perfect, but who God used greatly. And it says, by faith, then the name and what they did. And whether it was Noah, whether it was Abraham, whether it was David and on down the line, Rahab, there's so many names there of people who had huge, huge, ginormous failures. And it says, by faith, they did this. And it lists what they did after their past. And the reason they bring those things up is so you and I can look at their lives and say, if God brought them through that, maybe he'll bring me through that as well. So in the very next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, or stories, if you will, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He said, consider all their life stories, all they've been through, so that you won't lose heart right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got the testimony of all these stories. And now you and I have a chance to be a cloud of witnesses for the people around us. And there are people you're sitting near right now who have, are, or will be soon going through some of the same things that God brought you through, they need to know that life is not over for them. They need to know that they can carry on. They need to know that they can sit there right now and look as successful as you look to them, even in the midst of what they are going through. You may not feel it. You may not feel like a winner, but they desperately need to know that they can still win this thing. And then number four, the last aspect of this I don't have to be thankful for my past, but I can use it as a weapon when I accept it as preparation for the story God has written for me. When I realize that what I've gone through was in some ways God preparing me for what he had next. That there are things that you and I go through, things that God allows us to go through, some really hard, hard, hard things. And God allows that to happen at times because it's us being ready and prepared for what is next. For some of you, it means literally being at a different place and God 
had to move you, and you never would have moved had you not had a little discontentment in your life, had you never experienced some really hard times along the way, God would have never troubled you and moved you. And at times, I look back at my life, and some of the things that God did that I was so frustrated with at the time, he had to do to move me. I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't growing, and I wasn't going. I wasn't doing anything. I was content right where I was. But God allowed some things to upset the, the story so that he could move me around and be, uh, have me be prepared for what I had next. There are some things that I've gone through, some undeserved blessings and some difficult times that uniquely position me to take care of people that you can't take care of because our stories connect. And there are some undeserved blessings you've been given and some hard, hard parts of your stories that position you to be able to comfort some people and encourage and inspire people that I never can because our stories are different and we're not going to connect in that way. So at times, your story is God preparing you for what's next. The champion of all illustrations of this in the Bible, and many of you know his life, is the man of Joseph. Not Mary and Joseph, Jesus' earthly parents, but Joseph, the son of Jacob. And Joseph went through so much, and he was in a dysfunctional family. It was in a strange family after a while, and a strange family as well. It was a weird, weird family, and he found himself in a seat of power after years and years of being broken up with his family. They had messed him over. It messed him over good. And they're finally in the same room, and he's staring at them from across the room, and they realize he now has the power to get him back for everything that's ever happened. And he looks at them, and in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There was a famine in one country, and one man's wisdom ended up saving all of them, and it was Joseph's wisdom. And God had to put Joseph in that place of power to be able to save those people. But he's never in that place of power had he not gone through what he went through. Now, I think it's significant for us to grasp the whole picture. God did not enjoy watching Joseph struggle any more than Joseph enjoyed struggling. And I am not willing to say it's God's perfect plan just to beat Joseph up left and right just to get him in this place. But I am content in saying God is the creator overall, was willing to give people the freedom, even if it hurt his own people, knowing that he could course correct and he could move and he could weave stories together and he could always protect the story he was creating in Joseph's life that not even the worst, most vile things that his family wanted to do to him could stop him in the plan that God had for him. And I say that to let you know that some of the things that you've gone through, God did not enjoy watching you go through that, even if there was a benefit on the other side. Because some of you could say, well, if I never went through this, I never would have met him. I never would have met her. If I had never done this or been through this, I never would have been to this place. I never would have gotten that opportunity. I never would have had that open door. I never would have, and we could do this all day long. God never enjoys watching us struggle, ever. But God is always at work, and your past may be one of the most powerful weapons that you have at your disposal now to help you get through what you're about to go through next. Some of you have been abused, and very few people know it. I don't think you should ever thank God for the situation you were in. Just thank God for never leaving you. 
and for allowing you to have a story now that hopefully can save someone else. It might even help you as you're able to see triggers to be able to protect other people and see roads people are going down. Some of you have been betrayed in terrible, terrible kinds of ways, had people lie to you and and drag your name through the mud. You've been through all sorts of stuff. I don't believe God ever thought this would be the perfect way for my child to live her life. But God has been faithful through all of that. For some of you, you were fired. Others of you, you filed for bankruptcy. Some of you were addicted. Some of you were convicted. Some of you have been through all sorts of stuff. I'm not saying we should all look back and say, God, thank you for that terrible season of life. That, now looking back on it, it was, it's never going to be a joy to look back on. But how else could God demonstrate his faithfulness than to, after all that, get you to a place where you're here and you're holding on. And you may not be dancing in his presence, but you're clinging to it. God has been so, so faithful. So all the stuff you've been through, don't forget it. Just use it. Don't abandon it. Don't deny it. Just use it. Allow it to be your strength right now. Because there are people around that need to hear your stories, and you may need to remind yourself of how far God has brought you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the good times, the bad times, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the pain, the sorrow, the tears, and the joy. Thank you for all of those moments along the way. Thank you for never leaving us. And God, I know there were other ways, perhaps, that we could have learned different lessons. But in your sovereignty, in your great hands, you chose to allow some difficult things to happen to put us in this place. So God, we ask that you would help us to have your kingdom perspective on our lives. And God, we would stop running from what happened and just acknowledge this happened, this was hard. I don't want to ever experience this again. But God, you used it in my life. You brought me to this place. For all the things that we've cursed you about and moments and and struggles that we've had that we've never understood and maybe even drove some people away from you for a while, God, we are here today. We're back in this place after all of that, recognizing that you are still on the throne. And Father, for anyone in this place who has not followed you and maybe has used what he or she has experienced as an excuse for that. God, it's a valid one. We would all understand that. And we would all understand if someone today said, I don't believe in God because of this. I don't want to follow him because of this. We get that. Life is so, so hard. But God, your faithfulness remains and you stay and you continue to invite. You continue to love. You continue to forgive. You continue to shower mercy. And God, we ask that you would, in this moment, help us to be able to Make peace in a way with our past and realize that you're still at work. You never abandoned us. And so when we come in a, with a broken heart, we're not coming being thankful for the heart that's broken. But we're thankful for the God who stayed and for the God who held us together and the God who walked with us the entire time, for never abandoning us. So God, we're here at this place for a reason and we trust that you will reveal that in the coming weeks, in the coming months in our lives. Help us to allow our past to be our weapon. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.